Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leader Dialogue, brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. I'm Duffy Dixon with Business Radio X. Let me introduce to you who's with me today. You may know his name by now if you listen, Ben Sawyer. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Soar Vision Group. He has over 30 years of executive leadership experience. He launched Soar with the idea to help align people with purpose to achieve exceptional results, and you've had some dramatic uh, results with that. Not joining us today because she's traveling is Jennifer Strahan. She is the Chief Operating Officer with Soar Vision Group, but we hope to have her back with us next time. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Duffy. Great to be here. So we're going to start with someone uh, you are very familiar with from Trinity Health, Roger Spolman. Now, you guys have a history, so I'm dying to hear about this. Yeah, we, we do. So Roger is the Senior Vice President of Strategic and Operational Integration for Trinity Health, which I mentioned last week is a pretty good size health system 94 uh, hospitals does in the neighborhood of 20 billion annually big right. big system uh, Roger has been a regional CEO for them and now does a lot of turnaround uh, work he's actually working now as the interim uh, CEO at Loyola University Medical Center in Chicago in addition to his other duties but what's unique about it is I've known Roger for a long time and he has been my executive coach uh, over really key points in my uh, career. And I credit him with a lot of uh, not just insight, but really helping me identify what I needed to do to be able to be a better leader. So it's really a pleasure, uh, Roger, to have you on the show uh, today. And just by way of introduction to the listening audience, if you can maybe just give a little bit of context to the topic we're going to be talking about about today, Roger, which is innovation and sort of what brought you to this, you know, innovation cutting edge. Well, thanks, Ben and Duffy. It's great to be with you guys today. And, and Ben, as, as usual, you're always overly generous about that coaching. I have a lot of questions. I have very few answers, but I do have a lot of questions. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, we've just been lucky. I've been able to ask you the right questions and you've figured out the answers on your own. So you're, you're uh, one of these guys who's very coachable, which makes me look a lot smarter than I probably am. But oh, innovation, um, you know, I've just it's been exciting to think about innovation in healthcare, partially because healthcare is so far behind. And and you might think, well, wait a second, there's been a lot of innovation in healthcare, and and that's true. You know, we've come up with a lot of procedures and techniques and drugs and and devices that have uh, really advanced healthcare's ability to treat things that previously we felt perhaps were untreatable. But what I'm thinking of in terms of innovation is we're pretty stuck in our ways of thinking and dealing with problems. And um, I often say, you know, healthcare, we're a little bit on the arrogant side because we sort of love our own thing and we're in love with our methods and we're not all that open to new ways of thinking. And and um, I, I need to, I keep referring to this example, and I need to get the details, but, you know, it took decades from the time that the stethoscope was introduced, it took decades to get doctors to accept it as a standard piece of medical diagnostic equipment. 
you know, some people thought, oh, it's just a fad. You know, that's going to be very helpful. But <laughs> that's you never amazing. knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and there are lots of examples like that, Duffy. So, well, um, and, and by the way, Roger, one example outside of healthcare was Edison's creation of the light bulb. Took him one oh, yeah. one thousand tries. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, innovation is not easy. It's messy. And talk to us a little bit about um, the challenges that that brings, given the fact that most organizations are very oriented to productivity and budgets and sure. that sort of thing, and how that potentially compromises innovation. Well, when you're in a business that occupies or, or um, kind of hijacks such a huge part of the GDP. You know, we're into the trillions of dollars here. And so you you got to believe, and, and with all the stories, the anecdotal stories about how much, um, you know, this is the apocryphal one about aspirin charging for aspirin. I don't know any health system that charges for, you know, that kind of over-the-counter analgesic, you know. But, but um, you know, there's a lot of stories swirling around about it and about the cost. And we've got a huge target on our back. And, and everyone is asking, can't you be more efficient? Why does it cost so much? So that's the context of the industry that, that I'm in, that I've been in for 37 years. And, and so it, it's, it is ripe for some kind of new thinking. So we've adopted some things like Lean Six Sigma and, you know, Duran and a lot of process improvement techniques. And so we send people away and, and most often, where do we learn these things? We learn it from manufacturing, and we apply uh, these uh, techniques from manufacturing. We try and apply it to healthcare, and you know you couldn't find two things so different. You you know a human body is marvelous in the way it's constructed, the way it's put together, the way it interacts with the parts interact with one another. It's so different from building a Toyota or any other you know manufacturing process, but yet. We, uh, we borrow or we try and learn from the efficiencies that have been gained in manufacturing, apply it to healthcare, and you know what? It's clunky. It's, it really hasn't fit that smoothly. We've made improvements. But what we've missed, guys, is we've missed the very beginning, and that is we need to change the way we think. We need to change the culture of our organization to think differently about very difficult very uh, sticky problems or wicked problems. Right. Stanford so, you know, we, we just need to change the culture. And it's not, it's just not applying techniques or having a select group of people in our organization who have a different colored belt or have learned some Japanese words. <laughs> it's, you, you know, that's, so, that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yeah, so we can tell. No, I'm just teasing. Um, so, yeah. Roger, let me just, for the, for the uh, listening audience, because we've talked about um, Lean Six Sigma and so on before, <clears throat> just to connect the dots with them. So um, efficiency science, whatever it is, um, is very useful, but only if applied in the right way. Right. Right. So in, in other words, it has to start with the kinds of questions that you're asking, which is, you know, we have a current sick care model. We mm-hmm. need to move to an innovation right. model. And that means we need to understand the people who we serve. And we have to apply these things consistent with our strategic priorities. In other words, what are the metrics that matter for us that we're trying to accomplish? That's the right side of the equation. On the left side are all these things, right? space and people and 
yeah. you know, processes and all that sort of thing that we have an opportunity to innovate on to actually be able to make a, a change. And yeah. and your your point, which is really well taken, is anyone and everyone in an organization needs to be able to comfortably and com- and confidently just walk in that door of innovation and participate without having to know terms like Gemba and uh, you know Hoshin Conry and right, other right because right? like. We don't speak Japanese. That's not the no. that's not the point. You yeah. guys know more than me. That's that's three <laughs> that's two or three Japanese words I just learned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so you're absolutely right. This has to become the fabric of what we do, not the exception, not something no. that is just responding to an urgent hotspot, yeah. uh, but instead a kind of a way we do business. So. Talk to us a little bit about that from the standpoint of, of what I've heard you talk about with innovation zones. Right. Well, and, and again, as you said, we have a tendency to build barriers. We build the wall high, and we say when people come to us with an idea, whether it's a, a surgeon who has a, an idea of a device that he's had in the back of his mind that would solve a particular problem in the surgeries that he or she does, or whether it's a phlebotomist who comes in every day uh, taking people's blood and dealing with babies to elders and everything in between, or in the, in the emergency department, you know, a lot of dynamics, or whether it's the, the, someone who cleans the floors and, and um, some of our environmental services folks. People are creative. People come up with ideas and new ways of doing things. But typically today, when somebody has a new idea, and uh, a thought about a new idea, they come to somebody in the organization. First of all, they don't know exactly where to go with it, but they'll come to somebody. Maybe it's their supervisor, and their supervisor says, well, where did you get an idea like that, and, and uh, did you do an ROI analysis on that? Did you figure out if, if anybody else has done that? Have you done a patent search? Have you done, right. you know, we, we give them all these questions, and we make them feel stupid for ever having an idea, bringing this up. And, yeah, and right. so we actually drive innovation out of our organizations by not being curious. Yeah, we, so that is a fascinating uh, point, Roger. And that is that uh, un, unintentionally or intentionally, let's just say for the sake of discussion that it's unintentional, we mm-hmm. are setting, yeah. we're setting up artificial barriers and feedback to our teams that you know, if you're going to innovate – you're going to have to cross a lot of barriers. So you might as well not just do the, just just do what we say. Yeah. Don't try to be innovative and think how to really change the equation to improve uh, yeah. patient care. Well, and that seems to we, be we, just we, absolutely opposite of what innovation is. I mean, we've talked about innovation. Yeah. Innovation, as you said, can be messy. There can be yeah. failure. Edison worked how long for the light bulb, right? So it's it's going to be messy, and there are going to be setbacks. But innovation, in and of itself, starts with a spark. Starts with that curiosity, and all we do is squash that. And it happens in all businesses. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you brought up failure, and that's so important. That's such an important part of this because um, every device that we depend on, you know. Look at the handheld devices. We call them phones, but that's the least used feature on those devices, right? <laughs> right. You know, but but these handheld devices that we have, or things in our car, you know, nobody ever talks about the failures or the iterations, the hundreds of iterations that came before. All we look at is the end result. And when Ben says it's messy, 
It is. And our tolerance for messy is very low. Yes. Our tolerance for failure is almost non-existent. We, we don't tolerate failure. And so that's one of the things that we decided to do and to change in changing the culture to create an innovation culture. We said, gosh, our innovation hub or our innovation design space has to be a place where some ideas come to fail. But to, you know, we talk about death with dignity. I talk about failure with dignity, how important that is. Hmm. People have to feel as though you've heard them, that you've listened to them, that you've given them a shot and maybe ask some, some, you know, really probing questions that they can answer themselves and not feel like, you know, we're telling them, no, you're, that idea is no good. Let them come to that conclusion on their own rather than us making them feel dumb for even bringing it up. Right. So, Roger, is it fair to say then that actually success is on the far side of failure? Oh, it is. Absolutely. They're so connected. They're so connected. And, and um, you know, you mentioned earlier about creating a zone, an innovation zone. And what we've tried to do is create a, a, a space, first of all, but the space is primary to the culture or you know, it's necessary to creating a culture. We put a stake in the ground and said, you know, we've got a space here, but it also informs our culture and says, listen, in this organization, it, we've lowered the barriers to people bringing up new ideas, and we've actually got trained people who can help you identify what is the problem that you're trying to solve. We, right. we do subscribe to uh, people-centered, you know, or uh, excuse me, human-centered design. And in human-centered design, nothing really starts without first being able to articulate a problem. We need to understand what problem we're trying to solve. And, and, it's so, a, and it's a problem within a personal context then, right? In other words, it's almost like a user profile. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, people have problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the listeners uh, were able to see the video, the case study video that oh, great. that we shot recently. Yeah. Um, so given that context, talk to us a little bit about the implications of innovation in healthcare and how uh, organizations can – I mean, what you guys did was at a, a pretty grand level in the, <laughs> in the integration with – uh, you know, Steelcase and Herman Miller and Amway and Wolverine and so forth. I mean, you know, to have the Grid 70 um, yeah. Grand Rapids uh, Innovation Design Center on 70 Ionia Street, which is where it's located, um, is kind of unusual, uh, wouldn't you say, for, for healthcare? It, oh, it is. It is. I th we've visited a lot of centers. Um, a lot of people in healthcare have done this. But I don't think, well, we haven't found any others that have intentionally um, gone after co-working space with people outside the industry. And, um, and I like to call this, you know, creating social collisions, intentionally creating social collisions. Right. So it helps us get out of our own head, out of our own space and say, you know, what problems are you having with healthcare? You know, what would make healthcare better for you? You know, you're a shoe designer or, you know, you're a, you know, a virtual reality game designer who's been employed by a shoe designer, which is an interesting thing that Wolverine's done. But, yeah. but you know, what what are problems that you're having that we haven't even thought of? Because we're the space that we've been in traditionally is it's kind of a we turn traditional marketing upside down. We say, hey, we have all this supply in search of demand. 
right. you know, traditional marketing is the main source of supply. We got all this supply. This is all the stuff we can do. How can we sell more of it? Right. Right. No, exactly. It's completely backwards. So let me, let's just ask you, Duffy and I'll ask you a sort of a series of questions here. So, um, and, and to give you a sense of the kind of the flow of, of the questions we want to ask are, first of all, what are the essential ingredients then for innovation to actually happen? Like, like mm-hmm. you, you've described, you know, it has to be a different zone. And then second, how does an organization go about actually establishing that? And yeah. then third, how do you know you're successful? Well, you know, what are the elements that are necessary? First of all, you just have to, your culture has to accept ambiguity. <laughs> and, and some just don't. Right. And because this is an ambiguous science and, and process. And, and you have to, well, we talked about this earlier, Duffy, you, you said remaining curious. We are an industry, people come to us for answers. You know, if you constantly come to your doctor and, and your doctor says, hmm, that's interesting. I, I don't know. What do you think? You know, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of nice. And I, I always tell people you should go to a, a physician. Your physician or your provider must be curious. But if they're, if they're always curious. <laughs> then you wonder and, what and they say, know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm asking and you for answers. To, <laughs> yeah, time to go somewhere else. But, but see, that's, but we are, um, people expect us to have answers. And right. so, and, and we have to fight that. So we have to create this, like a renaissance zone in, an, in a municipality, we have to create an innovation zone where we tame the advice monster, as uh, Michael uh, Bungie Stanier says. Yeah. He's he tame the advice monsters. Just hold off. Stay curious just a little longer. So we've got to just, our leaders, we have to train our leaders to stay curious. Don't be the answer person. Be the question person. So my so, question, too, is yeah. in in this space, right, and you said make it comfortable for people to bring their ideas, yeah. where do the innovation ideas come from? Because I think some of us think all the, all the innovative ideas should come from the person who knows the most, but especially in healthcare, are there situations where someone on the front line says, hey, what if we did this differently? And is that accepted? Is that listened to? You know, the whole oh, organization that, has to be part of innovation. Mm-hmm. That's a great observation because that's where most ideas come from. If we, you know, we imagine, we look at devices that we depend on or, or innovations that we, you know, like where did Airbnb come from? Where did Uber come from? You know, where did these, these devices that we depend on come from? They, re- they came from users. They came from people who were sitting around scratching their head and saying, gosh, there's got to be a better way. There's got to, you know, and it, they don't, we imagine that some of these things come from, you know, laboratories with people with white coats, you know, and beakers <laughs> and, you know, that isn't necessarily where innovation comes from or where invention comes from. It comes from people who are doing a job day after day and they say, why do we do it this way? Yeah. And so, 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 um, <clears throat> so an answer to this is great because in 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 terms of the number one thing we were asking you there, you were you're you know you're giving the you're telling us what the ingredients are. Stop giving advice. <laughs> start asking questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be persistent in your uh, innovation. Listen to the front line. Encourage them to do that. In terms of that second thing, how does an organization then proceed? Like, like you talked about the yeah. innovation hub or the Renaissance Zone, 
how do they proceed? Do they need to create a grid 70, right? Or, or well, what? yeah, it's, it's helpful to do that. Now, we're three years into this, then, and, um, and, and I promise you, I mean, this is, <laughs> uh, I, I tell people this all the time. We started this and didn't tell anybody about it. I had a very small group of people, like there were three or four of us who knew this was going on. And we started this. It wasn't very expensive. We just, you know, we just pulled money from a corner of this budget and a few leftover dollars from there. We kind of cobbled together um, this this budget, and we were under the gun time-wise because we wanted to announce this, open it, and so had a big meeting of our leaders, uh, 500 leaders in our organization. And I said, hey, as of today, before anybody knew about it, as of today, you have another place to work. You have another <laughs> workspace. And we showed them slides, and they're going like, holy cow, where is this? You know, we've never, yeah. well, you know, it wasn't the corner of the, the hospital conference room or, you know, in a medical office building somewhere. It was off campus. Right. And we said, this is your other place to work. It doesn't look like any of our conference rooms. It's, you're going to have to go past people from Meyer and Wolverine and, Am you know, you're going to have to, you know, to get here and interact with them, the social collision aspect. Right. And when you get there, there's going to be coffee, refreshments, you know, there's going to be, you know, you're going to be very comfortable here. And no one's going to bug you and say, hey, do you have an appointment? They're going to say, hey, come on in. What can we do? There's going to be your Internet password, you know, is the same as the one at back at work. It's seamless. It's like being in your office, but it's a completely different space. Kind of like going to Starbucks. You know how some people, if they're working on their budget or something, they're going to they're gonna get out of the office. They're going to go to Starbucks or someplace right. like that, put their earbuds in so no one, you know, bothers them, and they're going to work on their budget. Right. With a cup of coffee in front of them. So let me see if I can summarize this. Basically, to be able to really promote innovation, you need to get out of what is typically. You have to get out of kind of the current rut and and busyness and, and you know urgency of what you're doing and get to a space like you just said. You know, go to Starbucks. You're doing that basically to be able to create a different environment to think. In this case, it's very intentional. It sounds like it's an yeah. intentional innovation environment where people feel comfortable to innovate. And my question is well, how to many think differently. To how, think differently. Yeah. How many people took you up on that? What was the initial reaction to that? Because when we watched it they said we invited people if they wanted to come. What what was the initial reaction to that, Roger? Well, some people were um, it it was a a little the, the curious people came right away. The yeah. skeptical people stayed away. Which is <laughs> Isn't you that know, telling? Always, That's human nature. You're that... always going to have that. Right. But, you know, one example, a great example, I'll tell, I'll tell you two, actually. We had one physician who, this guy is, you know, he's an inter trained as an internist. He's very tightly wound. He's closer to my age. You know, it, he's, um, and, and he, we caught him on video saying, you know, when I come here, I think differently. I just think differently. And when I go back to my office, I can't stop thinking differently. Yeah. So, so we've inoculated him. He came in. We inoculated him with the, the bug, I guess, and sent him back. And that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to infect as many people as we can with this virus, this good virus. Yeah. You know of how to think differently. We the other example is we had a young woman 
who was a supervisor of our phlebotomy department in one of our hospitals. And she was, she's a really neat person. She's very curious, uh, very engaging. And she's got these young kids who don't make, it's one of our lower paid jobs, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, they're, they're young kids with, you know, lots of stuff, you know, messy stuff going on in their lives. And, you know, so they're not, you know, people with graduate degrees or, you know, scientists or anything. And, and so, um, so we have, she came in and brought her team. She brought her whole team. Wow. These young kids are people that didn't have any interaction routinely with executives or leaders in the organization. But because it was this unique environment, yeah. they opened up and said, hey, what if, you know, it's kind of the what if. It's the place to say what if and why not. Whereas the hospital conference room just doesn't give that vibe. Right, exactly. Well, hey, we are running uh, towards the end of our half hour, and we want to make sure we get in for the listeners. What kinds of outcomes, what kind of results can they expect? Now, the good news is they saw that video uh, yeah. last week's show, right? So they have a sense of the innovation um, uh, primary care uh, clinic. Can you yeah. can you kind of bring this to closure for us from the standpoint of if you do these kinds of things, if you build in these ingredients and you create these kinds of innovation uh, zones and essentially, I love that, inoculate people. <laughs> with a good virus. <laughs> with a good virus of how to yeah, innovate. Yeah. What, what can organizations expect? Because we, you know, we started off to say, look, it's messy. Success yeah. is on the far side of failure to a certain extent. So what can they expect? Well, again, I think we tend to be um, impatient. Yeah. And we have very high expectations. So I, my advice to people who are considering this is be patient. It's a long arc. You know? Right, right. It's, it's, but, but there's going to be results along the way. And if you do this right. And I know other organizations who say, well, we've tried that. It failed. Well, I'll tell you, if you look under the covers and see really what their objectives and motivation was, it was, you know, what uh, have we, have, can we point to intellectual property that we've established? Can we report to patentable or, or uh, point to patentable devices right. that are, you know, we're selling to other people or um, press releases? You know, we often talk about, you know, the, the life cycle of some of these places is they live from press release to press release. And right. that gives them a little bit more oxygen to continue. And you just have to have a different objective. And that is when people in your organizations come up with a problem, if the first thing they think of is, well, hey, what about, let's use human-centered design. Let's go to the hub or let's have a meeting. Let's schedule a meeting at the hub and, and have the designers help us work through this. Then you know you're getting somewhere because right. all, all our designers are doing, and they don't come from healthcare typically. These folks are you know, young and fabulous, and they come from other, you know, you've got professional musicians and anthropologists and that kind of stuff. But we to just kind of shake us free from the uh, restrictions we place on ourselves in healthcare because it's such a kind of a stodgy, uh, we have all the answers kind of business. Yeah, so, and, and then when breakthroughs are identified, like you guys did with the Innovation Primary mm -hmm. Care Clinic, you have a cadre of project management-type resources yeah. that can take those good ideas and deploy them, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some things that are now like uh, as, as innovative in healthcare as a, an ATM is to a bank. I mean, that's like so 30, 20 years ago or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, 
Um, but and it's like telemedicine. Well, that you wouldn't really you need a health system to have telemedicine. But sometimes you get stuck and you don't get it. You don't have a champion on the medical staff to help you with that. Well, you can take a project like that, put it under the the protective umbrella of the innovation hub, this renaissance zone slash innovation zone, and say, hey, we're going to give it back to you. We're not going to own it. We're just going to take it here for a while. And uh, it's I, another example I use is like taking your blood, spinning it down, fortifying it with, you know, some stuff that's going to make you healthier, and then give it back to you. Right. Right. So that's. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna take your ideas. We're just gonna help you pull them out and develop them. Right. So, Roger, one one last thing uh, yeah. before Duffy wraps this up for us. Um, listeners, I'm sure, are intrigued. They're like, "Hmm, how do I get more information on this?" And you and I and Ben Look, who is the executive director of this yeah. innovation hub, by the way, is an amazing guy, yeah. Duffy. Uh, yeah. Very very competent guy. Yeah. Um, and Roger, you and Ben and I have talked a little bit about. Um, if people have this kind of interest, you know, how do we titrate that? How do we how do we help them meet that need? Um, can you just, for the listener, give them a sense of, you know, how they can reach out, touch base with us, um, uh, be able to provide some context or contact for Innovation Hub and see if something like that might be helpful for them? Sure. I, I think that, you know, we give a lot of tours. We have... Um, you know, hundreds of visitors each month, you know, and, and many of them are external visitors. And we, we love to share this with folks. I think the best thing is to just, again, look at the, the video we produced. We've got a couple of others. And, and maybe what we can do, you know, if you do show notes, we can put uh, some contact information in the show notes and, um, you know, get people in touch with Ben or uh, have them just go online and take a look. But we, we'd be happy to talk with them about this and um, you know, we we talked about doing some studies, producing some some papers, and that's coming. That's forthcoming, but we don't really have that yet. Um, yeah. But I, I'd be happy to talk with people as well. All right, and sounds good. So um, we have uh, for the listeners, we have a leader dialogue um, site. It is www dot leader dialogue with d i a l o g u e dot com. And um, there is contact information and so forth on that. So the, if, if you want more information about this, reach out through that and ask for more information, and we'll be happy to get back with you. That's right. We want to thank everyone for joining us and listening to Leader Dialogue. This one brought to you by the Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Now, remember, you can listen to a new show every Friday at 1 o'clock. You can do that live. That's Eastern Time. And then you can visit businessradiox.com at the Gwinnett Studio and select Leader Dialogue. You can listen to any of our shows there. And if you can't join us then, don't worry. We keep all of our shows. And as you said, www.leaderdialogue.com slash podcast. That's where you'll find all of our shows as well. On behalf of Ben and the traveling Jennifer Strahan, thanks so much, Roger, for joining us. And we want to tell everyone else we will be back here next week. And, oh, hey, to our producers, Mike and Trey, thanks for pressing all the right buttons. We appreciate it. I'm Duffy Dixon with Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.